The last couple of years have been really hard on people in many ways. Uh, and we're just coming out of that now. And one of the ways that it's been hard on people has been spiritually, as uh, we've been segregated and and uh, we've been lonely. And uh, a lot of a lot of us have become stuck during uh, the COVID time and coming out of it. But as we come back to normal, whatever normal looks like, it's time to resume our walk with God. And uh, perhaps, perhaps you have an increasing awareness of the need for you to get back on the get back on the road again and uh this is an opportunity for you to grow deeper than you've been before and this is the subject of our podcast today so stick with us listener and uh, see what god has for you today welcome to our podcast this afternoon uh, or today whenever you're listening to it my name is leon thronus and I'm delighted to host our time today. And I want to introduce uh, our guests for today. Jeremy and Carmen Kinnenberg are with us. And they have some, uh, some great things to share, I think, in the whole area of, of how, how to become unstuck, how to move on in a, Christian, a Christian's life, and, and what role the Holy Spirit plays in that. So... It's great to have you with us, Jeremy and Carmen, uh, and uh, we're, I'm looking forward to our time together. Thanks, Leon. It's great to be here with you today. So, uh, you know, just to orient uh, the, the listener to uh, you a little bit, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? Uh, do you have children? Where do you live now? Just, just, just give us a, a, a little minute capsule of, of who you are. So we are from Vernon, British Columbia. We've lived in Vernon since 2005. Uh, we were involved, we're both accredited workers with the Alliance Church in Canada, mm. um, both ordained ministers, and we have been um, a part of the Central or the Canadian Pacific District here with the Alliance for, yeah, 15, 20, 20 years, I guess. 20 years, yeah. Okay. Aging ourselves. Uh, we do have two children. Uh, our daughter just turned 17 this last week. Okay. And that's and a whole thing. That is yeah. a whole thing, having a 17-year-old <laughs> getting into the driver's uh, seat and, and giving the keys and saying, hey, you're up, you go for it, and we'll sit in the passenger seat. Uh, something shifted there, and so we're getting used to that. <laughs> yeah, she goes for her end test this coming week, so okay. it's a big thing. And then we also have a 14-year-old son, and he's very concerned about us selling our car to our daughter. And I keep telling him, no, I need this car. We're not selling the car. Yeah, so. he's, got, he's got designs on having the 97 uh, Camry, Toyota Camry, the Toyota Camry, the luxury <laughs> automobile that it is. So it was my grandfather's. So. Yeah, so he's got dreams still in that. So yeah, so we're from, we're from Vernon. We've been there now for a number of years, like Carmen said. And uh, before that, I uh, was up in uh, Quinell and spent three years there. And that's actually where we met uh, uh, officially. We, we spent some time at Bible College, uh, overlapping years in Canadian Bible College in Regina. And uh, so we, we did the, the pilgrimage out to the Holy Land, mm -hmm. uh, as other uh, Good Alliance folk back in the day did, and uh, spent our time there, got an opportunity to, uh, to go deep in our faith, investigate who we really were, mm -hmm. build some foundation in theology, which I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we begin to build a framework for our understanding of the Holy Spirit, uh, a theological framework mm -hmm. matters. And I think oftentimes we, we miss out on that. We, we focus on the spirit, we focus on the word, we miss that. But when we bring the two together, a strong theological foundation and a strong encounter with the Holy Spirit, things shift. And so for us, 
for us, that's a, that's a key thing is that we experience the power, love, and uh, fullness of the Spirit when we bring together Word and Spirit. And I think that's something that's often missing. So for us, we, we look fondly back to our days in the, uh, the theological school that we got to experience, though you'll see along the way there were some things that we've had to learn since and some things to unlearn. Uh, so we, we experienced some time in Quesnel uh, where we, we connected there and be, we got married actually at the Alliance Church there and then we we're called down to ministry in Vernon. And so 2005, we moved to, to Vernon, which was an amazing thing when you think back all the years of stuff there. And I worked on staff for 15 years, uh, initially with youth and young adults. And then uh, that, that shifted at the year seven mark to, uh, to move into a, a position where I was leading the uh, young adults still, but also the home groups prayer ministry and, uh, and the discipleship ministry of the church. And Carmen, uh, what were you doing? Oh, I was uh, children's pastoring for kids in kindergarten through grade five. Okay. So, okay. and led the team there for um, 10 or so years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have an intersection, of course, Leon, that uh, when I was the youth pastor of the church, uh, of course, I got to connect with your son, Chris. And, uh, and I had the privilege of having Chris come onto my team. And uh, he came in and worked alongside of me in a season where we were in exponential growth. Uh, and we needed good leaders with good foundation and good understanding of who they were. And to have Chris on at that time was so important for us. And it was a great learning for him. It was a great learning for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both grew and learned lots. And then he's since gone on to do wonderful things. And so, so incredibly proud of his ministry where he's gone and uh, where he and Chris are serving now in Kamloops. And what a blessing. And we actually now, in an interesting twist, we sit under them often and they're mm-hmm. teaching now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, so we have that as a part of our story is that we, we tune in and we listen to them. And if we can, we get out to connect in Canloops as well at times. So, so yeah, so our story is that we were at the Alliance Church in Vernon for a number of years. And then as COVID did, uh, COVID shifted things in our lives. And uh, the church, like many churches, was trying to figure out what to do. Uh, how do we navigate the complexities that come along with COVID? And, uh, and for us, our time at the Alliance Church came to an end. Uh, for us, it ended in uh, right after the, uh, the summer of 2020. Uh, when churches had taken their first breather and tried to go, okay, what do we do? Yeah. Like, how do we navigate a world where now we're online? We're not meeting in person. Okay. I want you to hold that. Yeah. Because we're coming, you're That's giving right. me a teaser now, <laughs> um, but I want to go back in your story. Yeah. Because uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, anyway. It's coming. You yeah, know it's that. coming. It's coming, but here we go. So Carmen. Yes. Carmen. Um, tell us how you came to know Jesus. Uh, what what's your story, and uh, what were uh, what were the what were the factors that led you to accept Christ, and and did, did you have any people who were formative for you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I had the gift of growing up with two parents who loved Jesus. Oh, you and, did? Yes, and so we lived in northern BC towns. My dad uh, worked for West Fraser um, Timber, and he he was in management, and so we ended up living in a really small town called Fraser Lake up north, but I think what was really pivotal about that moment in my family's life is that we were part of a really beautiful community of believers mm. in Fraser Lake, and we had really good friends um, who both encouraged my parents in their faith and mentored and discipled them. And I had really good friends that I was able to um, grow with in in our Christian formation. And then when I was about 10 or 11, we moved to Quenelle. 
And our neighbors across the street went to the Alliance Church, and so we thought we'd try it out, and there was lots of families our age. And so, again, just coming into Christian community where uh, my parents had people that they were connecting with and places that they could serve and use their gifts, and uh, my brothers and I were able to to fully enter into that experience as well, um, growing up in great youth groups and, and with really wonderful, wonderful friends and mentors. Um, Jim and Doris Pratt were our pastors at the okay. time. Um, yep. If you've been around the Alliance, you would know them. Yep. They're yep. fabulous people. Um, and so uh, eventually, I, as I got to the end of my high school years, I considered what I wanted to do um, post, post-secondary and felt like I wanted to do a year out at Canadian Bible College. I felt like that would be a good foundation for any education I was going to do afterwards. So I went out, did a year there, had a fabulous year, um, made some really great friends. Jen Yi was one of my good friends that I made at Canadian Bible College. Um, She's part of the congregation here. And um, it was just, it was a really important time of my life. And I thought I would do... um, some post-secondary at the University of Victoria after that, but really felt like the Lord was calling me to to do a full degree program and to head into ministry afterwards, which has been interesting because I didn't really have any women ahead of me modeling mm. that. Um, I did have a youth, youth worker for a short season in Quinell who modeled um, – as a woman in ministry in a temporary position. And then um, at CBC had some good female mentors, but again, they were pretty few and far between in ministry roles. And so a lot of my wrestling after I graduated from university or from CBC, sorry, was um, how do I be a woman in ministry? And, and then I met this guy, and he was already in ministry, mm-hmm. had a ministry mm-hmm. position. And how does that work for the both of us? feeling mm-hmm. called to pastoral ministry yeah. as a couple. Um, and, and I would say in in Alliance churches in the early 2000s, um, that wasn't necessarily normative to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. couples in ministry together. Mm-hmm. Um, often, often, mm-hmm. ha- like if a man was in ministry, he needed his wife to somehow have a, a good earning kind of job, some other kind of professional work. Especially so. in youth ministry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's been a journey for us just navigating um, that that dual calling where we both feel called to be um, in pastoral ministry, but also our families calling to ministry mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. be on mission. So, so you were a children's pastor in Vernon. Mm-hmm. Did you receive Christ as a child? Yes, actually. So the impetus for me to receive Christ was I was really wanting to participate in communion at church. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. As like probably like a four-year-old, maybe five-year-old, mm-hmm. I don't even remember, but I said to my mom, how do I get to do that? Yes. <laughs> and um, so when we went home that day, my mom explained the, like the whole story of Christ to me. And I said, I'm in. Like that's, of course, I already felt like I believed that. So it felt like a, an easy yes to say yes to Christ at that time. So, so childhood decisions matter. Very much so. Yes. I mean, as a children's pastor, that's that's something I strongly believe in, is that the seeds that are planted in people's childhood do come to bear fruit at some point in their life. So whether, you know, I had the privilege of being in a family that was walking with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 
got to blossom early in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. But for a lot of people, I know that um, your church does soccer programs in the summer, and I just think that's so brilliant because so many pe- people from the community are coming and getting a taste of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And and that may not come to fruition at this point right now in their life, but who's to say what's going to happen in 5, 10, 15, 30 years in that person's life when those seeds are planted? So, um, yeah, I think hearing about Jesus as, as a child is incredibly important. So beleaguered parent, <laughs> don't quit <laughs> on no. your kids. You never know what's going to happen there. Yeah, and grandparents keep praying for your grandkids, yeah. even yeah. if that's not something that you know, your kids and their grandkids are walking in currently, it doesn't mean that what you're doing doesn't make a difference. Good. Yeah. Jeremy, did you, is your story the same? You became a Christian at a young age? Well, I think that's part of my story. I think interestingly, like to piggyback off what Carmen just said, from before uh, my grandma, before she married my grandpa, uh, before she had grand or kids, before she had grandkids, she started praying out of her family line that didn't know Jesus, a lot of them, that she prayed out of her family line that there would be a, at least one pastor that would come from that, is out that of a family right? line that didn't know Jesus. Wow. If that's interesting uh, wow. to you, it is to me uh, as a now pastor. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, out of that family line, they started going to church and they started connecting as uh, she married a, a man who was trying to walk with God. Uh, and then they started raising their kids the best they could to, to know Jesus. And out of that, uh, my parents uh, then tried to do the same with us. And we've tried to do the same with our kids. And interestingly, uh, we always joke kind of thing of this is that I became a, a pastor um, and I also married a pastor, which is two. Uh, my brother became a pastor and uh, he's in ministry. Uh, and then my dad later in life went from being in the oil patch in downtown Calgary to being called into pastoral ministry. And you see this expansion of, of a prayer of faith offered by, by a woman who was young at the time, prayed all the way till just before she passed. Uh, she prayed that out of her family line that somebody would, would be a pastor, uh, would, would be working in a church and you know, helping others to discover mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And here it is. So, uh, so that being said, I, I'll go back to the beginning then for me is, um, you know, being, being born in a home where my parents were investigating Jesus and trying to, uh, trying to walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from really young age, they had, had decided to go deeper in their own faith, and it wasn't long before they were leading in church. Uh, when you, you have a man and a woman who are hungry for more of the Lord, you end up leading, and, and they stepped yep, in. And, yep. and from a very young age, I can remember being raised in the church, uh, Foothills Alliance Church in Calgary. Uh, so when it was in the old building that uh, became a Bible college, all that, that building, I can remember being raised uh, in that church. My dad was an elder uh, from a very young age. I, I remember watching that and watching him pray and lead into that. And, um, and then uh, my parents moved in, were a part of the church plant that came off that became Bow Valley Alliance, which now is Rock Point. And uh, we're part of the leadership team of that. And then later he ended up being on staff there. Uh, so I was raised in that environment. Uh, my, my siblings and I, we all chose to follow Christ uh, at a young age. Uh, for me, I was seven when I, I made that decision. But uh, like many kids, I, I wasn't sure. And so I went, I kind of joke about this at events often. I went up for all the altar calls. Uh, I went up and responded because it was just like, I, I'm not sure. I can remember just being not sure, but always praying and saying, God, you know, like, yeah, I want you. I want more. And, uh, and it actually became a part of my story is that for much of my, my journey, I was on a quest for more. Um, I saw what was going on in the Bible. I saw what, uh, what happened with the first church when they encountered the Holy Spirit. I saw Jesus doing things. I saw the people of God doing things. 
but I wasn't seeing it in the local church the same way. I just saw people that were trying to love each other, trying not to, you know, um, step on each other's toes a little bit, trying to sing good songs, trying to do all the the good stuff. Um, but but I was seeing a lack of, of encounter of the Holy Spirit. I was seeing a lack of movement and power of the church moving forward in that way. And we prayed with giant maybes a lot. So we prayed for people that they'd experience healing. They prayed, we prayed that they would, uh, you know, if they were unwell, that they'd get better. We prayed for all these things, but it was maybe, Lord, maybe if it's your will, could you do this? But those maybes became the giants that often got in the way, I think, of us experiencing the things with God. And I was like, God, is there a chance we could have no maybes? And I wanted more. I asked for more of that. And for years, I kept pressing and even going to Bible college. I somehow got through Bible college. I said this uh, at a recent event I was at with three textbooks on, on God. We had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remember going through the Father textbook really well by Odin, the, the Son textbook really well by, by Odin. But we, we kind of breezed through the Spirit. And we didn't really go deep there. And I thought, oh, God, there, there must be more. And, uh, and so that's been our quest in many respects is to go after more of the Holy Spirit, to experience what God had and to start to see uh, the fullness of God in our lives. Mm. And it came at a point where we finally started taking God at his word. We, we say it that way. It's like uh, the father who came and, and Jesus said, uh, go, go, your child will be well. Go, uh, you know, in faith, take that step, go home. You'll find your child's well. And it says that the man took Jesus at his word and he went. And at the same time he went, he found out that his son had been made well, or child had been made well. And, uh, and we started taking God at his word and praying for people as if God could do something about it. Uh, praying that, that God could show up in the ways that he said he would, and we started seeing it. And so for us, that, that's been a part of our journey for the last number of years. We've seen a lot more in that area. We've heard more from God in that area. We've experienced more of what he has for us. And so uh, that's been our journey. And now we have kids. And we're trying to raise them to to know God in the same way, to encounter God, to pray for things. I mean, my son, I can remember one night uh, coming into my son's room and, and saying, oh, my back was sore. And he said, well, Dad, have you prayed about it? And I went, well, yeah. And he goes, well, can I pray for you? And he prayed for me. And you know what? My back got better. And I went, why did I wait? Mm-hmm. You know, and so we've been trying to do that. And our, our daughter is a leader at a church now at the church that we were a part of for years in Vernon. And, uh, and our son is doing the best he can, like, like kids, to try to discover Jesus in his everyday. And so that's where we're at right now. You're preaching now. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so you've both been a believer for most of your life. Um. Like you start to think about it now. How many years have I have I walked with the Lord? So so help 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 us who are listening to this podcast. What 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 works in your Christian walk? What what practices do you do that that help keep you on point spiritually? What things work over a long period of time? Uh, Well, when I think about that question and even thinking about my own story, I would say being in community is a huge factor for me when it comes to the practice of my faith, but also um, uh, how I experience the goodness of God in my life as well. And I know that that's... the church hasn't always been amazing for everybody in their story. We all have difficult things that we journey through. And um, and for Jeremy and I, that that is definitely part of our story as well. But 
community has been so important and that and we realized that when that was taken away. Okay, can you tell us what do you mean by community? So for us it's being part of a, a small group of people that meets regularly, caring for one another and um, exploring the word okay. together, praying okay. together. Um, I also have some amazing women in my life who speak truth into okay. the okay. things that I'm wrestling through. Um, and and in part, that's that's that. Um, this is what we're called to be as the body of Christ. Okay. We can't do that in isolation. We need to be together in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we have to be creative in how we do that. Uh, we did a lot of that on Zoom, and we still are creating communities yep. digitally. But it's also important to do that together um, mm-hmm. in in a room or around a meal or. In at church, sitting together, whatever that looks like, but finding those people who can help you to walk in in your journey, um, and and being in submission to that, to to That's, like I know submission's a scary word. That, it's a tough call <laughs> because we really don't do community well in the West. Mm-hmm. We don't really know a lot about it. We tend to be individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that takes a decision on your part to be transparent somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think being authentic and and humble is really really hard. Um, I mean, one of the th- a few of the things that people really struggle with are fear and control, mm-hmm. and and when it comes to relationship, those show up uh, in spades. Really, like it's it's hard to be vulnerable. And to take that risk to trust other people with the things that are real about you, um, but that's that is literally what what humility is: is saying, I, it, "I'm okay to let this be out there." Because when we keep secrets and keep things in the dark from one another, like those things aren't just being kept in secret from one another; they're also it's also possible that we're keeping those in secret and hidden from God and in the dark. So um, one of my one of the ways. I really try to live is to live in the light with God and with other people so that I can be in fellowship that's um, that's pure and humble and life-giving both for myself and for the people that I'm in community with because if I'm holding myself back and my understanding of who I am in Christ then then they're not getting to experience who Christ is through me so, so it's listener, missional as well listener here's here's the challenge uh, you don't do the Christian life alone, and that's yeah. how that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what what works for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll piggyback off that to start with, and then jump into a couple things for me. Uh, one of the the things about community that I think is is really under for us has become an understanding that we've operated with is that we have to feel safe to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you're trying to be safe by controlling it. It's we've got to be safe to screw up. We've got to be safe to get it wrong. We've got to be safe to try things and fail. Uh, meaning we're going to pray for each other and sometimes get it wrong. Sometimes we're, we're not going to get it right and we don't judge each other in that. We go, okay, we're learning together. We're in this together. And I think that, that's been a huge thing for us is we try to create an environment where it's okay to not be perfect in that. 
but to learn together. And so our community is really valuable for us because we trust each other with that. Um, and we're not just a little community. We have a few of us that get together regularly, but inside of that, we've done life and done our stories together. And so that's a, that's a big piece for us is that we do that. Now, some of the other things that we do is, I mean, obviously being in prayer, uh, prayer is one of those foundational places where you're connecting with God. And, and we sometimes say it this way is that we, we often offer to God all the things on our list. Uh, but we do it like we're at a drive-through. Uh, we go to get the go to the drive-through for a burger, so to speak, and you pull up and you tell the the window all the things that you want, all the things you need, what you're hoping for, <laughs> okay. and the way you want it done. Right? Yeah. I don't want mayo on that, but I'd like it done this way. And uh, or Starbucks, where you're saying I'd like soy, oats, and whatever else in there. But we tell tell the person all this stuff. So we're telling God all that stuff, and then we go up, we pay, we put in our time, but then we get up to the window where we go to get our beverage or our burger or whatever it is, and we drive by. Uh, we do this with God at times is we don't actually collect the thing that he has for us, the nourishment, the life stuff by sitting and waiting. Uh, one of the words we operate with quite a bit is the word Selah or Salah. It's a, it's a Old Testament term. It's a notation in music from, uh, from the Psalms, as you know. And it's, uh, it's just a word that we boil down most effectively to the words to pause intentionally in God's presence. It's that moment of waiting. It's the moment of stopping in his presence and waiting for him to respond. Not just telling him all the stuff we need. And hoping that he hears us and going, well, I guess that's good now. But actually knowing that uh, a conversation where a prayer moment with God is not just about us saying what we need or want or hope for, but it's also then saying, God, now what do you have for me in response? What is your nourishment? What is the burger at the next window? What is the, the coffee that I need? What is that moment of what you have to speak into my soul in this moment? Because when you look at the, the kings of old, when you look at David, it, it doesn't just say that he, he spoke to the Lord. It says that he inquired of the Lord and then he waited. Okay, which leads me to my next question. How does God speak to you? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've talked about in community, somehow God uses other people to speak to you. And in prayer, mm-hmm. you you listen for him. How does he speak to you? Mm-hmm. Um, does he speak to you all the time? Does he speak to you a little bit? Is this a twice-in-a-lifetime thing where you hear his voice? Talk to me a little bit about how God speaks to you. Um, well, I think I believe that God is always speaking. But... If we have a narrow idea of how he speaks, then we're probably going to miss 98% of what he's speaking to us. So there's so many ways that God speaks. Uh, He speaks through dreams. He speaks through art, like music and dance and poetry. And he speaks through creation. He speaks through, um, to me, I have the way that God speaks that I hear him best is speaking through the word. Uh, speaking into my knowing, which sounds kind of, I I said to someone, they're like, I just seem to always like, I just feel it when God speaks to me. I'm like, he speaks to your knower. You just know that you know something when the Lord speaks. And for me, that's what I have is just, I have a sense that he's what he's speaking and I have a deep peace that accompanies it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The listener is going to be asking, uh, I think, how do you know it's not just you? Hmm. Uh, well, there's a grid I put it through. So, okay. So the grid of how I discern if God is speaking is what I is what I hear in alignment with the Word of God. So the okay. written Word of God, that's number one. Um, number two is, is it in line with 
who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So does it make sense with the cross and the resurrection? Um, And even some, I was reading a book the other day um, and it talked about how, um, does this thing blossom in the light of the cross or does it wither in the light of the cross? And that was a really um, strong image for me in understanding this because if if it makes sense with who Jesus was, the things that he taught and the, his character and his ministry, it's going to blossom. It's going to agree with what what that is. But if, it, if it's cultural or if it's... Um, uh, yeah, like a rules, like even how, let's say, take something like how the Pharisees understood the Torah, that it was a bunch of rules, like that withers the in Torah light of being the, basically the Old Testament. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and how it was like, we got to follow these rules. We got to check off our list of all the things we have to do. This is what makes us righteous. Well, no, Jesus shows us through how he lives his life that it's not what we do that makes us righteous. It's, it's who we are connected to. So. I, think, I think that's good advice mm-hmm. on listening to God's voice. Um, Jeremy, is it different for you? Um, well, for me personally, I, I have a bunch of different ways that God has spoken to me over over the years. Uh, some of that is through people. You'll have that where somebody will say, you know, something like, I feel like, or I have a sense, or I was praying for you. So we've had that over the years, mm-hmm. uh, both of us, where even as we we're trying to decide if we were supposed to leave uh, a ministry we were a part of, Uh, We had a friend walk up to us at a pastor's retreat out of nowhere and said, hey, I have a scripture for you. And I said, okay, and what is it? The hair on the back of your neck goes up. You're like, okay, well, we'll see what this is. And and they said, and we don't know what it is. And I'm thinking, oh, great, we're going to get one of the weird ones, you know, like circumcision and Gilgal or something strange (laughs) like that. Uh, Instead, he said, no, I I don't know what it is, but can we check it out together? And he wanted to be accountable, which I really appreciated that. Didn't just say, here it is, and leave. Um, And for us, we were deciding if it was time for us to move on from a church. And the scripture that he gave us that he felt in prayer that he got that morning was uh, from Mark. And it says, if if a town rejects you, you're supposed to take off your sandal, shake off the dust and walk. And he's like, "Uh Oh, uh, I don't know if this is good or not. And he didn't know that we were thinking about maybe shifting. Yeah. yeah. And it was a good affirmation among other affirmations we'd had. Mm -hmm. We'd also been in the word ourselves and God had given us a a word as we were reading through scripture. We decided to read through the Bible. This is one of our our funny stories is reading through the Bible and Carmen's reading and I'm trying to use an ab roller. Uh, If you know me, that's, that's a big part of my story is, is working out. Of course, I'm, I'm hugely strong. No. And, uh, and so I, uh, I uh, you know, exercising and Carmen reads the, the story of Abraham, uh, Abraham's call. And, and God says to grab, grab all your belongings, your, your wife, your, your servants, everything you have and your, your nephew lot and start walking. I'll tell you when you get there. And I said, hold on. And I had this just awareness in my spirit. Oh, wait a minute. This might be about us. Uh, we've had that. We've also had a moment like we were in Hawaii and we we were there during COVID and we were trying to decide if it was time to go or not. And we decided that we would know when the peace left us that it was time to go. And we felt the peace shift in a moment as we were swimming. And all of a sudden it was like, I looked at Carm, she looked at me and I said, did you feel it? She said, I did. And we decided it was time to leave and found out the next day that everything started to close there. And so it was just God's timing. Uh, So we've had that, but also scripture is huge for me. It's amazing for me that every time I'm in the word of God, I am one verse away from an encounter with him. That's a quotable quote right there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think every one of us is actually just, you know, literally opening the Bible away from meeting with God in some way, shape, or form and hearing his voice. This is God's voice to us. This is his primary way he speaks to us every single day. I guarantee you, if you open the Bible, you are hearing from him. 
Isn't that wonderful? And, and I think at times we go, oh, I'd love to hear from somebody else, but we can actually hear from God and allow his Holy Spirit to speak to us through that and bring things to the surface for us. So we have that, but I mean, God speaks in so many different ways throughout scripture. And I mean, we're teaching on this. We actually do a, an extended teaching on this with about 14 different primary ways that God speaks. Um, one of the things that, that we try to challenge everybody to to know is that God also speaks into our, our space and our mind where we sometimes can picture things and be aware of things, or he can bring things into the surface where you've got scripture buried down deep. What you've put into the well, he can bring to the surface in a moment where you're wondering what to do, even how to pray for somebody. All of a sudden, something can come up. He could be using that to speak. And so we, we encourage people to allow their, their imagination to be sanctified by God and bring that back because most people lose their imagination somewhere along the way because they're told it's bad but God actually created us with it and that's why we can actually teach kids and help kids to hear God because they actually have an imagination still they have that space where God can speak into somewhere along the line most of us were told we can't use that because that's not godly because it's being corrupted by sin but what if God wants to sanctify it and use that as a place to speak again Okay, this leads me now, because you've talked about some things that are practical, but also mysterious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which brings me to the question about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Because without the Holy Spirit involved in this whole thing, we can go go off-center. what does it mean to you to walk in the spirit? Because really, he, he, he's been underlying all of what you've talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really the presence of the spirit. Talk, talk to me about what it means to be filled with the spirit or to, to walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, understanding... How to walk in the spirit is is changing who what I am aware of in my life or what I am most aware of, and I think uh, growing in awareness of God's presence is a huge part of understanding how to walk in the spirit. Um, there's lots of things. I mean, we live in a noisy world, so there's lots of things that are constantly vying for our attention. But when we dis- when we choose to push those things to the side and listen to God, um, that's that's like a catalyst moment for, for walking in the Spirit. So one of the things we often talk about is to walk in the Spirit is to be hungry, humble, and teachable. And so when we're hungry, this is, this is something the Word talks about a lot, is hungering and thirsting after God, hungering after righteousness, um, thirsting for His presence. And... Um, and Jesus saying that he is the living water that can quench that thirst. So so that's kind of the first part is that desire to follow him. And then uh, the second piece is humility. So to walk in the spirit, you have to be in submission to Christ um, so that you can actually know his spirit. And the third piece is to be teachable. And Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit is our guide, he's our comforter, he's our teacher. And so he is the one that teaches us how to become a disciple of Jesus. He is the one who guides us and instructs us in that. And so to walk in the Spirit is to live in obedience to the ways that he is instructing us to grow in righteousness, to to be fully sanctified. Um, 
and and it's about relationship. He is the one that mediates that relationship for us. Christ is the mediator to God, and and the Holy Spirit mediates that relationship and and um, provides the the necessary uh, space for that to happen. And I, one of my favorite verses is uh, I think it's Second Timothy one seven. I always get second and first Timothy. <laughs> in my brain mixed up, but it's 2 Timothy 1.7, talks about how um, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And when I think about that, I, I have no power in and of myself, mm. um, but the Holy Spirit, he's the one who gives us the power we need to empower us and to strengthen us so that we can know the love of God. And when we partner that with our ability to self-discipline, which really could also be another word for being humble and submitting ourselves to his leadership in our life and his His, his guidance um, and his lordship in our life. Um, so so that to me is like where the our relationship with the Holy Spirit is is at its best is when we're submitted to him by using our self-discipline in that space and he gives us the power and the love that we need in order to do the things that he's calling us to do to live that life of obedience. So that for mm -hmm. me is huge for mm -hmm. walking in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, so often as you said Jeremy it's easy to uh, maybe sideline the Holy Spirit because he tends to be quite a gentleman and he lets us kind of run our own thing. Uh, but when the whole, when, when you know the, that the Holy Spirit who is living inside of every Christian is willing to tell you about Jesus and willing to lead you, mm -hmm. it becomes quite an adventure. Well, and that's, I think a, a big piece of it really is, is that we, when we're scared of, of the Holy Spirit, or we, we have this fear space that, again, like Carmen said, like we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline, which also another way of, of saying self-discipline, another translation would say a sound mind. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We actually can think soberly and have a sound way of thinking about the Holy Spirit when we understand who he is. And part of that is relationship. Part of that is the intimacy uh, that we're supposed to enjoy. And uh, the Hebrew word is yada. It's uh, to be intimately known or intimately connected with. And that's actually God's desire for us is to be intimately connected with him. Uh, Ephesians 1.17 says that you've been given, uh, I pray that you, you would be given the spirit of um, wisdom and revelation so that you can know God better. What a revelatory moment that is to understand that God doesn't just want you to serve him, but he wants you to know him better. Mm -hmm. The spirit is there to help you to get to know God better. Well, when you have that framework, it's like, I want to know God better. <laughs> like, this is that quest for more I started back and way back was that I actually want to know God better. Um, but we actually don't get to do that on our own. We actually need the Holy Spirit's first prevenient grace prompting to even start that journey. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't come to God on our own. We don't even have the ability to start. Even if you found a Gideon's Bible in a hotel somewhere, it doesn't mean you started your own journey. It means that God first started uh, pursuing you so you could pursue him. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who is continually um, releasing and calling us to words, you know, helping us to release the stuff and call to words God. Um, the A.W. Tozer says that God is continuously articulate. He's always speaking. He's never not speaking. Uh, he's always drawing and calling and, and calling us into the deeper life and calling us into deeper place with him. Um, and so he wants us to know him more. He wants us to know him better. Uh, he does that 
by Jesus at the death, his death and resurrection of the cross, he makes that possible. He goes back, he says, unless I go to the Father, you can't, uh, you can't experience the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, it's better that I actually go. And we're like, okay, well, how is it better <laughs> for us if Jesus goes? That doesn't make sense. Jesus, according to the chosen TV show and according to all the shows we've seen in the past, it'd be pretty great to hang out with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems like he's really good. And when he shows up, stuff happens and lives are changed for better forever. I want Jesus here, but Jesus actually is the one who says, it's better for you if I go so that the Holy Spirit can come, the comforter, the guide. Well, that means that he's not just in one place at one time for one person. He's in all places. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, is for all believers everywhere and drawing those who aren't believers towards him, whether they choose it or not. So uh, we we often get this idea of... Um, of the Spirit's presence kind of confused. And this is where the mystery and mystifying piece is, is um, the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit, just like the omnipresence of Jesus the Father, omnipresence of God is everywhere for all people at all times. Uh, the same rain is falling on every person everywhere. Okay, so you're experiencing the presence of God right now in your room, in your car, in your house, wherever you're at, sitting in your chair, you're experiencing the omnipresence of God. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes... They experience an indwelling presence. The, the omnipresence was there for everyone to experience. But when the Holy Spirit comes, that's a manifest presence of God coming to indwell the believer. And then there's the also the manifest presence coming upon the believer. So in all of history, you would have the Holy Spirit present in all of creation, manifest there, uh, sorry, omnipresent there. But then there'd be special moments in history when the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody for a specific task mm-hmm. or purpose. Mm-hmm. That's the manifest presence of God throughout history. Okay, so you see that all throughout history. That's, that's everywhere. There's these key moments along the way, marker points when the Spirit would come. For a prophet, a king to speak, something would happen. Uh, one of the, you know, the, the prophets up on top of a mountain, Elijah has these mm-hmm. manifest mm-hmm. moments of God's presence. Uh, Bezalel and Aholiab are empowered to create beautiful things for the temple. Okay, Where the Spirit falls into the temple and all the priests are overwhelmed by the manifest presence of God. Yeah. Okay, we got that. The New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's amazing to me, and I, I don't think I fully understood this until recently, and probably the last number of years, is when the Spirit comes, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and filled the Holy Spirit to the full measure of God. That is that is Ephesians. That is good stuff. If you're wondering about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the New Testament is full of, of good teaching on that. Ephesians, to be filled the full measure of the Holy Spirit. So that's good picture. But then we can also experience the manifest presence of God upon us again at times in a special way. Hmm. Um, and uh, that's where we see the empowerment to do some of these things, the power, power, love, and self-discipline. Here's the power to go do those things, to be on mission, to help people to discover Jesus and become his followers, to see some of the things that the New Testament church was doing. And we went, did it stop there? Did it end with those guys? Did, did those first followers, were they the last ones to do it? Um, or is it for today? And when we actually are connected intimately with the Holy Spirit and living in the fullness of the Spirit, walking in the deeper life of Christ and walking in the Spirit, as you said, Leon, um, that's where we start to see the presence of God moving in our midst um, in an encounterable way that is undeniable, that that is him showing up. Because you know what? We all are in his presence, in the omnipresence. But when his Spirit shows up in a different way, it's hard to mistake that. Okay. Okay. We talked earlier in our time together uh, about some things that I'd like to go into now, um, because we we we've just come through two and a half the two and a half wackiest years uh, in my lifetime as far as society's concerned, mm-hmm. 
uh, in in the whole issue of COVID, and and so many of our of people and our churches have become depleted and and withered, and now we're starting to to come out of it. And and some of our listeners t- today are saying, you know. You guys are talking about a wonderful life, uh, a life of expectation and joy and adventure, and and uh, they are they are they are in a place where they are stuck. Uh, so you have a, a website and a ministry called Threshold Initiatives, and you talk about how a time of being stuck can be a great opportunity spiritually. <laughs> can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sounds like really positive talk, but um, it, it is. this. W- the way we like to picture it um, is like a threshold. So think of a doorway. That's a threshold. Uh, you're not yet in the room where you're headed to, and you're not either you're neither in the room where you just came from. You're in an in-between space. But it's still a place. It's still an actual physical spot that you're in. Now, the problem with a threshold is you can get stuck there. You could be in this in-between space, not quite where you know you're supposed to be going and not where you were just, and you can get stuck there. You could get stuck there for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You could get stuck there for a week. Um, But there's something deeply formative about being in that threshold space. I, when I think about a threshold, there's so many thresholds in the Bible, but the one that seems um, most clear to me is the people of Israel. They've just come from Egypt. They, you know, walked through the desert. They got to the edge of the promised land and they decided not to walk forward in obedience. They stopped. They were just right there. (laughs) They sent the spies in. They got terrified by what was going to happen. Mm And they said to God, no, thank you. (laughs) And that all of a sudden became a threshold space that they were stuck in for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And they wandered around in the desert and they couldn't progress forward, nor could they head back. And uh, but God did something to the people of Israel in those 40 years that they wandered around in the desert. They were not the same people when they came to the edge of the Jordan led by Joshua that second time. They were a different people. They were actually a nation at that point. And God had formed them in the desert during that time to become his people. Before that, they were kind of just a ragtag group of slaves who had taken a risky step and followed Moses. Now they were ready to head into this new season of their life because of the formative work that they allowed God to do in them, in community especially, Comes, that's a big theme for me. But um, in community, they were formed into a people of God so that they could do something new. And so our, the threshold is that place of formation. It's a thin space where you can um, be formed by God to become the person that you need to be in the next season of your life. If you step through that threshold too quickly, it it might not go well for you. And it, But if it's also that that challenge that you don't want to linger too long in that threshold um, if if it's a, an instance of not hearing God or being disobedient to what you have heard him say, that can become a place where you feel really trapped. Um, it's also 
the threshold can become a really comfortable space. And the reason it can become comfortable for people is because it's known to them. And so to take that risky step into the next season feels desperately uncomfortable. And uh, Jeremy has a saying, I, can, I don't ever say it properly. Maybe you can say it. I, I don't know if I'm going to say it better or not, but, uh, <laughs> it's a pearl. but I, I, I will it say this. And, and uh, good a good friend of mine says this a lot as well, is that your next level with God is just beyond the edge of your comfort zone. And uh, it's like that in most places. If you want to advance into the next level of whatever you're doing, it, do, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to have to take that step. You're going to have to get outside of what's comfortable and go beyond that. Okay, L- let me just interject here. The thing about the children of Israel is they knew where they needed to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the listener who is on pins and needles now mm-hmm. as you speak, do they know where they need to go? Well, yeah. I, I mean, if I can, if I can jump on that one for a second, I would, I would say that most of us know that we're uncomfortable somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can't necessarily put our finger on what exactly it is, but we know that we're uncomfortable. Uh, for some people, that is a place of, of shame that you're stuck in. For some people, that that is unforgiveness that you've you've had for somebody for a long time, and you don't know what to do about it. Uh, you're frustrated. I, I met with a, a woman one time after I. I I say it this way often that I preached a barn burner of a message on forgiveness and it was long because I don't say things short apparently. And so it was 45 minute preach on forgiveness. At the end of it, she came up to me, uh, a little bit of an older lady in the, in the church. And she came to me and she said, I don't know how to forgive my husband. And I was like, I just, I just preached on this. Like you, you should now have the tools. So then I thought, well, maybe it's a deep hurt. So I thought, what has he done? So I said, I'm sorry, what has he done that, that has hurt you? And she said, oh, no, just regular stuff. I've just never forgiven him. And I thought, you've been in the church for how many years and you've not been able to forgive? Oh, boy, you're stuck. And we often get stuck at some point in time in our journey, and we have trouble moving beyond that. And those places, we may not be able to identify, but others around can because they see something's wrong. They see you're toxic in an area. They see there's an issue here, or you just get really frustrated really quick, or you're short, or you give up. And there's those spots where you've gone, I guess it's just the way it's going to be. But that's not the way it has to be. Uh, You're not dictated by your past. You're not the sum total of who you've been to this point. You're actually who Jesus says you are. And so a lot of it comes to... Jesus, who do you see me being? Who are you calling me to be in the next season? What do you have for me still? I don't care if you're 20 years old or if you're 75 years old. Your story is still being written with Jesus. He still has great days ahead for you. Um, we say it sometimes like this in our ministry. Is the, be- the rest of days can be the best of days. Um, they actually can be your best days ahead of you because you're partnering with Jesus and what he has for you. Uh, the threshold place, we, we describe it most succinctly being the place where God is working on your character and your capacity to be the kind of person you need to be. So, so it, it doesn't have to mean then that at this threshold, as you look through the doorway and you see what's next, it doesn't have to be like a, a great big plan, like the children of Israel knew they needed to go into the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. It might be just the next step. That you know you need to take. It's literally the next step. And if you think about that story about the children of Israel, they had to step into the Jordan River. Yeah, they did. They had to get their Mm -hmm. feet wet. If they didn't get their feet wet, that river was not going to part. 
if they could have been standing there waiting on the edge of the Jordan forever, they had to take a risky step. And a lot of times that's what's holding us back is feeling like that risk is on us, mm-hmm. that, that it's so risky for us to trust God. But the thing is, he is so faithful and he is so good and you are not alone in this. It comes back to that verse again. He gives you the, he, get, he didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. He wants to empower you and to fill you with his love if you can just trust him. That Mm -hmm. self-discipline piece of saying, God, it doesn't feel like the natural thing to do, and yet I will trust you. I will get my feet wet taking that step. (laughs) I will try to forgive that person. Help me to forgive that person. I choose to forgive that person. And Lord, because I choose to forgive them for that thing, I also choose to bless them. Mm-hmm. I choose to bless them and release them to you. Okay, our time is flying. <laughs> uh, just a couple of more questions. Um, so, so the the picture you've painted for the for the Christian journey is not not easy, but it's exciting. It's it's anticipatory. It's an unfolding of what's ahead. And yet, and yet our culture turns darker and darker. Um, we, see, we see the cultural turning of the tide, um, you know, where, where truth is being exchanged for a lie. And it's, and it's deeply troubling for, for so many people, and particularly for a Christian where it's not becoming a happier environment, it's becoming a, a more testing environment. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile these two things? How do you spiritually respond so that we, so that we enjoy this wonderful journey in, in, at the same time as, as culture goes increasingly dark? Can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a big part of that is your perspective on where is the church in culture? Where, where do you see the church situated? If you see the church as situated at the very core and center of culture, um, it can feel really dark because that's, I don't think that's actually the reality of where church is, especially in North American culture. Um, we're on the periphery. We're in a post-Christendom era where we are not in that center place deciding um, the outcomes of politics and what our children are being taught in schools. Yes, we still have a voice to speak into yeah. those things, but we're not the ones who are creating those those pieces and forming that anymore. And that's wildly uncomfortable when we presume or assume that everyone shares the same morals and ethics and lifestyle as us, because the reality is they don't. And, and in fact, um, I heard a sociologist uh, speaking about how this next generation are antagonistic towards the church, but actually have zero experience of being in the church. <laughs> so they, whereas in previous generations, there had been exposure to the church and to the gospel message, um, and, and there was antagonism because maybe they were hurt or felt judged by the church. Now this next generation has they're they're literally illiterate when it comes to the church and yet still antagonistic. And I I got to say that's actually a tremendous opportunity for believers and for the mm-hmm. church of God to love 
and to demonstrate Christ in authentic ways, to embody the message of the gospel in our communities and in our neighborhoods, because we don't have to go into those situations anymore um, necessarily assuming that people have heard the gospel. The likelihood is they haven't. They have never heard the good news of Jesus. And it's not that they want to be preached at. They want to see that Jesus makes a difference in your Mm -hmm. life. That's actually tremendously exciting, that we can live with authenticity in our relationship with Jesus and that people will notice that he makes a difference for us. Uh, Peter talks about that in his in his epistle, um, that to live your life before other people and when necessary, use words, mm-hmm. right? It's You don't need to always be preaching the gospel and, and using words to do that, but to show the difference that Christ makes in your life um, and for that to be congruent then with the preached word. So. I think that elicits a response, too. Um, I think that's one of the, the amazing things is when we're actually living our faith out well, um, somebody's going to ask you a question, why? What is your why? Why are you doing this? Why are you living the way you're living? Okay, it's dark around you. It shouldn't be whatever. And, and the reality is, is um, they want to encounter Christ. They want to encounter, like the world is longing for an encounter with Christ right now. Okay, that's a very interesting statement. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I... I, th- I think about the early church, mm-hmm. which had no position in culture. In yeah. fact, it was persecuted. It's true. It was giving a countercultural message. And, and you know what? Culture was longing mm-hmm. for a message like it. Yeah, since the creation of the world, we all have been given, uh, implanted deep within us, a desire to encounter God. Okay, every one of us has inside of us been given that. Ecclesiastes talks about this. There's this hunger inside of us to experience that. Um, every person everywhere is longing to encounter the supernatural, something divine, something outside of our reality. That's why everyone everywhere is looking everywhere but the church. Because the church hasn't been the place to find that for the last season. The church has been a great place to go and meet a few people, um, pay into some kind of an offering moment, sing some songs, sometimes good, sometimes challenging. Um, and then to hear somebody talk sometimes for a long time with a lot of words, but not a lot of life change and power and encounter. Um, the world is longing for an encounter with God. They are longing to do that. And the only place that most people are going to do that and the primary and best place they should be doing that is you and I. Uh, they should be doing that through us. But the problem is, is people are rubbing shoulders with us and going, okay, Nothing's different, mm, okay? Mm. When we're having real encounters with Jesus, we're encountering the Holy Spirit in a fresh way, and when we're encountering the love of the Father in a beautiful way, there is something on us of his presence that people will long to experience and will rub up against and go, oh, I want that. What is that? And I've had those moments where people go, what, what's that then? Um, and I think that is the key that right now people are longing for is when we are with Jesus, it's not so they can get something, it's for us, but when we've had that, they get the overflow of his presence. When you experience the manifest presence of God, when you experience the fullness of his presence, it is naturally going to overflow you. Uh, I describe it sometimes in a bit of a weird picture, but like a snail in a garden. When the snail has walked through or done its snail thing through the garden, it leaves a trail of its presence. What if somehow we are filled with the Spirit and overflowed? We're, we're filled to be spilled is what we're told. Okay? So we are filled so that we can be spilled out so that the presence of the world of the Lord can be encountered by others. What if as we are moving about in life, people are going across trails of his presence? And what if we are his presence in the world around that they encounter us, they encounter him? 
What if that's what's happening? And and to answer your first question too, I, I think part of the the issue for us is we are so focused on the darkness right now that we are mm-hmm. actually missing out on the light. We need to be so focused not on culture and what culture is doing around us and on the divisive nature and on the, the hard things and the challenging things and the way our kids are being taught and all these sort of things, so focused on that and, and speaking into that that we actually aren't spending the time with Jesus. When we're with him, we will recognize that and the world will experience that. Um, you, you often hear about how people who are learning how to discern what is a fake dollar bill or fake uh, um Money, whatever it is, ten dollar bill, hundred dollar counterfeit. How people are longing or trying to figure out what is a counterfeit bill and being taught to figure out what that is, they don't look at counterfeit bills over and over and over again to figure out what a real bill is. They spend all their time focused on what is a real bill, so that when they see a real bill, they go, "That's a real bill." When they see a counterfeit, they know it. We spend a lot of time looking at counterfeit gods right now, mm-hmm. looking at counterfeit realities, looking at counterfeit spiritualities, counterfeit truths. But Jesus said, it's, it's the truth that sets you free. Well, that's the limited statement on that. He said, um, when you hold on to my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Holding on is actually being with him. It's posturing and positioning ourselves with him, being in his presence, looking at what is real and most real, spending time in the light, not in the dark, and going, this is who you are. And as we're in the light, like Moses coming out of the tent of meeting, we come out with the light upon us. And the world gets to encounter the light of pre- and the presence of God on us. That's what we're looking for. Good. Okay, I want to wrap up our time. Uh, and we have, we have some, some eager listeners who would love to sort of um, know, where, where can I go for resources? What, what have you found to be really good resources? I'll, uh, and listener, I'll include these resources in my next blog that uh, you can find on the church website. And then tell us a little a bit about your your ministry, what you offer. I've noticed uh, you've talked about a renewal boot camp. Um, so just talk to us for a couple minutes about resources. Will you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, a recent book that has been around forever for me. Okay, so this book's been around forever, but I read it recently, is uh, Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland Jr. So that book has been apparently around, but I never had read it until I think last year. It was excellent. So it gives practical ways to think about um, walking in the spirit, walking out your Christian journey, and looks a lot to it, like who God has created you to be. And so not trying to do the one-size-fits-all Christian journey, but who are you uniquely that, um, and how do you uniquely connect with God? So that's a great resource um, as well. uh, A book that I really enjoyed was by David Fitch called Faithful Presence. And so it is, it's a lot of what we've talked about, like who are you in community and how do you experience the presence of God in community? How, who who are you in uh, like a shared space with, with your wider community? So like your neighbor and how do you experience God's presence and carry his presence there? And then how do you carry his presence in the places that are hostile to the gospel? Um, so if you're wanting to learn more about that, that's an excellent book. Uh, we've done a lot of work with Dr. Rob Reamer and Soul Care. Uh, that uh, he has a number of really good books that speak to some of these topics. Mm-hmm. River Dwellers is one of them. Um, there's one about Kingdom. Pathways well. to the King. Pathways to the King. That one is also really excellent. And yeah, each of those uh, in his series of books, he's a, 
um, pastor, but also a, uh, a speaker and leader at the Alliance Theological Seminary in the state. So yeah. very grounded theological thinker, mm-hmm. uh, bringing great teaching that's formative on that. Um, A.W. Tozer, Pursuit of God, is, is actually a really great book on, on the topic as well of, of going deeper in your faith and what are some of the things that are in the way at times uh, that need to come out of the way. And uh, I'd highly recommend those two as resources uh, for that. Talk to us a little bit about your your ministry and uh, and uh, just touch on that Rene- renewal boot camp. Yeah, so Threshold Initiatives is uh, an organization that we felt that God had put in front of us as an opportunity to help people to go deeper in their faith, to become uh, unstuck, but actually to make those big steps forward. And that happens a lot of different ways. For each person, there's different ways that God meets with us and connects with us. Uh, but uh, through our website, you can go on there, www.thresholdinitiatives.com. And uh, on that website, there'll be some resources, uh, some blogs, some teaching and, and different things that we're doing, but also uh, ways to connect with us, uh, both in a uh, individual or hourly connection for for some ministry and connection if you want, but so also you do some teaching. some mentoring. Yeah, so and, we do coaching, yeah, mentoring, yeah, okay. uh, some renewal coaching that we just help people to take those steps of faith. Uh, sometimes that's through prayer ministry and different things that we do okay. as well to uh, listening prayer and, and just pastoral coaching. Uh, we coach a lot of people outside of the church too that are, are trying to find their way into the church or find their way into, into Christ, which is interesting as well. Um, and then we work with pastors and leaders uh, in different places and different capacities. And one of the great benefits of the last season is that Zoom, uh, whether we love it or not, has become yeah. an opportunity yeah. for us. So uh, we have the opportunity to work with people in different parts of the world at any given time, uh, as well as people in Chilliwack, if that's the case. Uh, we can meet with you uh, and connect with you on that. And then we also speak at events and uh, in conferences uh, on different topics around uh, hearing God, uh, listening prayer, um, uh, soul care, and uh, and some other conversations like training people in, in how to actually do this this walk and this life well. So the last thing would be the Renewal Boot Camp. And this is something that is uh, a thing that we've been putting together the last little while here. Some of the different teaching we do is, is help people to walk in renewal. And sometimes you just need that, that push, that spark to be able to go deeper. And uh, to put that into one package. So it's a nine-week uh, conversation where people can meet in person or online, which I think is great. In uh, person if you're in Vernon. If you're in Vernon. Okay. Yeah, okay. you can meet in person. In Vernon, uh, we have a, a friend who's opened up their uh, their venue for us uh, okay. to be able to meet there, and so we have a limited attendance in person, and then we have a, a wide open space online to meet in groups as well online and have that moderated, and you'll get live teaching and conversation there, and it's an opportunity to to go deeper into some of these places to figure out some of the the hindrances and limitations, the things that hold us back in our faith, because we all have them. Um, if you feel like you're stuck in some area, there's probably something there that's holding you back. So we'll, we'll help you to discover what some of that looks like and walk through some of the keys uh, that we believe are important in our, our Christian faith of, of confession, repentance, and forgiveness, uh, and just living with a short account with God and with others. Living uh, as um, uh, Norman Grubb uh, says in his book, Continuous Revival, which is another book that we'd recommend. It's short, which I love short <laughs> books personally. I'm happy if they're short. I can get through them uh, in, a, in a timely manner and feel like I read a book. Um, but... Uh, in his book, he says that um, to, to live in continuous revival or renewal would be to have roof off and walls down. Roof off, no, nothing between us and God, and nothing between us and a few other people. And we often live inside of a house in our little world and try to invite God in in bits and pieces and try to invite others into safe rooms. 
but what would it look like to live that way? So we're going to do some of that together in that context and, and have some conversations around some soul care, but also a thing we call spiritual hygiene. And that's that ongoing practice of living well with the Lord and living with clean and short accounts with God and keeping things in a, in a healthy place within your soul. So, Okay. So, listener, I will, I will include these in my blog this next week. And, uh, and uh, you can uh, check it out on the church website. Just go to resources and uh, down to stories. You can find, uh, you can find that information there. And uh, that, will, that will help you in your threshold. Hmm. It'll, get you, uh, it'll get you going. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been delightful. It's well, been great to spend some time with you. Uh, and uh, listener, I hope that this will be of value to you in your Christian journey. And uh, let me just pray a blessing on you and we'll close our time. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have come, that the Son has sent you to dwell within. And in a dark and darker world, uh, you uh, represent the light of the world, uh, the one who came. And uh, we just came through an Easter time and uh, we think about the light of the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you for our time today. I pray that this will be a blessing to the listener. And I pray your blessing also on the Kinnenbergs in their ministry. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.